We are on Ksubis Chav Gimel Amid Aleph 23a2 on the second column in the art school Gemara. The Gemara now uh, continues on uh, with the Mishnah that we had originally a page ago on Chav Beis Amid Aleph. So a quick review of that Mishnah. The Mishnah is discussing different cases of a Pesha Asar, of a situation where uh, the reason why we believe them, really we wouldn't believe her, but the reason why we believe her is because she has a Pesha Asar. She's the one who's uh, making things worse for herself, and so therefore she, we'll believe her through and through to to allow her to explain herself, and we'll believe her with regards to that. Even though we, in general we wouldn't believe her if it was just uh, if it was just uh, herself uh, testifying, it wouldn't be believed. But because the problem was caused by her, so therefore we'll believe her with regards to the solution. So there, we had two cases in the mission. Huh? The first case in the mission was a case where she says. You should know I'm married. We didn't know that she was married. She tells us she's married. Now that she's married, she can't get married to somebody else. But she says, you know, you should know, I got divorced. So we believe her because of the Pesha Asar. We have the concept of a Pesha Asar, which says that we'll believe her through and through. Uh, another case is where the Seifa, the second case is where she tells us she was taken into captivity. Once she's taken into captivity, we have this concern that while she was taken into captivity, she was raped by... Uh, the people that took her into captivity, and there, and then in such a scenario, she's not allowed to marry a Kohen, but she says, she says, I was taken into captivity. We didn't know about it without her own testimony. She says, but you should know that nothing happened to me. I wasn't raped, and nothing happened to me, so therefore we believe her also because of the Pesha Asar. That's the Mishnah. The last line of the Mishnah, which is what our Gemara is commenting on, says, but you should know if, um, if Adim, if we have witnesses that say that, uh, that say that she's married, or say that she was taken into captivity, so she's not believed. But if she first gets married, as in in the first case, uh, the case would be that if she gets married to somebody else, and then afterwards witnesses come along and say that you should know we testified that she was married. They don't testify that she got divorced. They're not contra- they're not contradicting anything that she says. They're just testifying and saying that we know that she was married beforehand. So um, in general, that would sort of uh, undo the Pesha Asar. And, and they would do it here as well. It, it, it removes the Pesha Asar. It, uh, we don't only know that she's married based on her, her own testimony. We have other witnesses as well, uh, who, who get rid of, who, who say that, uh, she's married. So therefore she doesn't have a Pesha Asar anymore. It's not based on her word alone. Therefore it should be, one would think that it should be that we don't believe her when she says that she's divorced. Yet, the Mishnah says that if the witnesses come after she was married, so the witnesses don't come before she's married. We believe her through and through with her Peshazar before she got married. She says that I was married to somebody else and then we got divorced and now we say, okay, you're allowed to go ahead and get married. She married somebody else. So while she's married to somebody else, or as we'll see in a few lines of the Gemara, it might not even be that she has to get married to somebody else as long as they tell her that she's allowed to marry somebody else, even if she doesn't actually get married to somebody else, but she's allowed to marry somebody else. Either way, uh, the point is that if it happens afterwards, and then when this is coming, say, we know that she was married originally to that first guy, and therefore there shouldn't be a Pesha Asar. It's not based on her uh, her testimony alone. It's based on now the witnesses. So we say, in such a scenario, she doesn't have to leave that second marriage. She doesn't have to leave that second marriage. This is already too far. We'll explain the reason in a second why this would be. Uh, this is what the Gemara is about to discuss, but uh, she uh, she doesn't have to leave. 
So that's if the, that last line is going on the ratio. In that first case of she says that she was married and then she got divorced and the witnesses come after, let's say she married somebody else, witnesses then come and say um, that we know that she was originally married to the first, uh, to the first husband. Uh, and therefore, it's not relying purely on, on her word alone. She's allowed to stay married. But it's unclear whether this last line is going on that first case. Maybe it's only going on the second case. The second case is a case where she says, I was taken into captivity, but you should know I wasn't raped. I'm Tahora. Nothing happened. We say, okay, fine. So we, we believe her through and through, even though if we had witnesses that said that she was taken into captivity, we would be concerned and we wouldn't believe her. But because it's only based on her, we believe her. She goes ahead and she marries a Kohen. She gets married to a Kohen. She's allowed to marry a Kohen now. Then after she marries a Kohen, witnesses come and they say, you should know that we know that she was taken into captivity. It's not based on her word alone. We're witnesses to this. If we're witnesses to this, so then there's no longer this concept of Pesha Asar. It's not based on her word alone. But yet, you, you might think that, it's, that she would have to get divorced because it's not based on her word alone. No. Once she's already married, she's allowed to stay married. So the Gemara will be discussing, well, this last line, we're not sure. Is it only going on this last case or is it also going on the first case? So I'm just going to explain it outside before we see it in the Gemara, just to make things easier and clearer. Um, what would be the logic to say that it only applies in the second case as the first, as opposed to the first case? The logic seems to be, says the Gemara, that when it comes to Shvuya, Bishvuya Hikilu, when it comes to this concern that when they are taken into captivity, uh, will be more lenient. Uh, even though in general, without knowing anything else, will be stringent and will say that if she's taken into captivity, so then, um, then there's a, a concern that uh, that she was raped and therefore she can't marry a Cohen. But but we have to realize that uh, we have various leniencies. This is a this is a big stringency, and so therefore under certain circumstances we'll be lenient with regards to this because we don't know for sure what happened. We don't know if she was actually raped, and so therefore we'll say, you know what? If she ended up, we allowed her to marry a Cohen. Because of the original Peshasar, there no longer is a Peshasar, but because of the original Peshasar, uh, she was, uh, she was allowed to marry a Kohen. So if she's already married to a Kohen, so then she could stay married to the Kohen. Because we're, we're gonna be lenient when it comes to these issues, because the whole concept is already a big stringency. To say that she can't marry a Kohen, because we don't know whether or not she got raped, this is just a concern that we have. And so therefore, if she already married a Kohen, or perhaps not just married a Kohen, but she was allowed to marry a Kohen, we'll say, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll keep that, that law in place. Bishvu uh, Yehikilu. We'll be, we'll be more lenient. Um, especially since, uh, some of the commentators point out that in these cases, uh, when she's taken into captivity, she's gonna try hard to make herself look, uh, look, uh, unappealing, uh, so that nothing happens to her. She's gonna, she's gonna try to make sure that nothing happens to her. Or do we say that it's also going on the first case? So there's a there's a reason to say that it's going on the second case for us to be lenient in the second case, even though there's no Pesha Asar, but we'll be lenient because by Shvuya, when she's taken into captivity, we'll be lenient. Is there any room to be lenient in the first case? So the Gemara will eventually say yes. There's maybe there's room it's not it's not so clear, but maybe there's room to be lenient. Where's there room to be lenient? So this requires also a little bit this introduction requires an introduction. Uh that uh, there's an opinion of Rav Hamnuna. What happens if a wife approaches says in court in front of her husband that we got divorced. So Rav Amnuna says that that itself is actually valid, even though it's, she's talking about herself and she's only one witness. In general, we don't allow her uh, to, to testify. We don't certainly don't allow one witness to say that she got divorced. She herself says it. She's believed. Why? Because most, uh, the vast majority of women 
would not have uh, would not have the ha'aza, the brazenness to lie in front of their husbands about whether or not they got divorced. It's in front of your husband to lie uh, that uh, that they won't do. It must be that they're telling the truth. So Rav Nuna says we trust her because she must be telling the truth. She wouldn't lie about this. Um, so that's in a case when it's done in front of the husband. What happens if she says that she got divorced not in front of the husband? So then Rav Nuna's uh, rule does not apply. It doesn't apply. When Rav Nuna says that you're believed to say that you got divorced, it's only in front of the husband. But if it's not in front of the husband, you're not believed. Uh, however, maybe our case it would be a case where you are believed because this is a case where because of the Pesha Asr, the original Pesha Asr, she was allowed to marry somebody else. She went ahead and she married somebody else. So then, now that she married somebody else, maybe in this case, we'll say that when she says that she got divorced, not in front of the husband, even though in general we don't believe her, so then in this case, we will believe her because this is already after the fact, after she remarried somebody else. So that would be a reason for us to be lenient even in the first case. Certainly in the second case, by Shvuya, by being taken into captivity, we'll, we'll be lenient because she's already allowed to marry a Kohen. She's allowed to marry a Kohen or marry a Kohen. But in the first case also, maybe we can entertain the possibility that she should be believed uh, because it's already after the fact, she already married somebody else, and there's room to say that maybe we should believe her, even though in general we won't believe her because it's not in front of the husband, but because she's married to somebody else, we'll believe her to say when she, when she says that she got divorced, even though it wasn't in front of the husband, we'll let her stay married. So that's really the whole back and forth of the Gemara. So let's just see this inside. The Gemara says... Rav Oshia Masila, Rasha Rabba Bar Avin Masila Sefer. Rav Oshia says that, uh, this last line, that if she got married and then the witnesses come to say that she was already married or, or, uh, really she was also taken to captivity, so then she's believed in both cases. Rabba Bar Avin says it's no, only going on the last case. As the Gemara explains, Madden Masila Rasha Kulshikan Sefer, Tibishvuya Hekilu. If you hold that it's going back on the first case, it's for sure obviously also going back on the second case. Because that's talking about a shvuya, somebody who's taken into captivity. In that case, we're more lenient. However, but if you say that it's only going on the second case, so then no, maybe it's not going on the first case. Maybe when it comes to the first case, even if she married somebody else, and then witnesses come, she would still have to get divorced. What are they arguing about? Maybe they argue, the, the Gemara has an initial stage to say, maybe they argue about the entire principle of, of Rav Amnuna. Meaning, maybe the, the opinion that said that it applies to the first case is because they follow the position of Rav Amnuna to say that we believe her when she said that she got divorced. And the second, and, and therefore we could be lenient in this case, uh, where she already married somebody else. And the second opinion says that we don't even have the whole concept of Rav Amnuna. He disagrees with Rav Amnuna entirely and says that a woman is never believed, even in front of her husband, she's never believed to say that she got divorced. Um, and just completely disagrees with this position of Rav Amnuna. As the Gemara says, The first opinion who says that it's going also on the first case holds of Rav Amnuna, and so therefore once she marries somebody else, we could be lenient in our case. And the one who says that it, that uh, even if she marries somebody else in the first case, she still has to get divorced, is because he doesn't hold of Rav Amnuna. But the Gemara concludes and says, Lo, no. Everybody follows Rav Amnuna in a case where she's testifying in front of her husband, she's believed. But the argument here is as follows. This is the argument that one opinion says that uh, Rav Amnuna applies 
even in a case where it's not in front of the husband, that at least as a bidiyevet, at least as once she's already married to somebody else, will believe her to say that she got divorced, even though she's saying it not in front of her husband. The other opinion says that no, if it's not in front of your husband, so then you're not believed, and therefore you would have to get divorced. There's no reason for us to let you stay married, because we don't hold of this concept when it's not in front of your husband. Everybody agrees, according to the conclusion, everybody agrees that when it's in front of your husband, you are believed, because... Women, uh, wives would not lie about this uh, in front of their husbands. They wouldn't have the the brazenness, the ha'aza, to lie about this in front of their husbands. But uh, but when it's not in front of your husband, that's that's the argument. Okay, that's what that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara now continues. We're now on twenty three a three in the second column of the article Gemara, and says as follows: When we say in the Mishnah, we've been saying in the Mishnah the whole time. That if she marries somebody else, again, this this argument is marrying somebody else going only on the second case or also on the first case. But either way you go, when you marry somebody else, uh, what does it mean to marry somebody else? So Amar Avuah Shmuel, the father of Shmuel said, Lo nises nises mamish, doesn't mean that uh, that they actually have to get married. It just means that as long once we make it permissible for her to get married. So in the first case it means... It's permissible for her to get married to anybody. She said that she was married and now she got divorced. Let me go ahead and get married to anybody. Obviously not a Kohen, but um, I, she can marry anybody else. In the second case, she's saying that she was taken into captivity, but nothing happened to her. So therefore, we allow her to marry a Kohen. We allow her to marry a Kohen. Once we give the ruling, even if she doesn't actually get married, but once we give the ruling in her mind, it's allowed, it's permissible. So then we let that stay. Even if witnesses come later and say there's no more Peshasar because we know she was taken into captivity, or there's no more Peshasar because we know that she was uh, previously married, still she's allowed, the ruling continues to apply. The, the Gemara asks, but it says she does not have to leave, which implies that she's married. So and the point is she does not have to leave her original state of this law, of this ruling that allows her to marry. The point is she doesn't actually have to be married, as long as it's permissible for her to be mar- to get married, so then that law will be kept. Okay. Moving on to 23A4 in the Archul Gemara. Tanara Banan. There's a brysa, new brysa. Amran Nishbesi Utahorani. Vyeshi Edim Shetahorani. Ain Amram Namtin Achiyovo Edim. Elamatirin Osamiyad. He tiru alinase vakakpo edim vamur loyadanu. Harezi lo we have the following case. A woman comes to court and says, You should know, you don't know about this, but I was captured. But I'm Tahora. The same case as the Mishnah. That uh, I was taken into captivity. We know this based on her word alone. And she says, You should know, I have witnesses who actually know that nothing happened to me the whole time. They were with me the whole time. They know nothing happened to me the whole time. So we don't say, wait until, uh, let's wait for the witnesses to come. We don't have to wait for the witnesses to come. We trust her. She has a Pesha Asr, and we allow her to get married to a Kohen after she says that. After we allowed her to get married, <coughs> excuse me, after we allowed her to get married to a Kohen, now the witnesses come, the witnesses that she said that she had, that she had they come to court, and they basically say, we don't know whether or not, we don't know whether or not, uh, what, what happened to her, whether or not uh, she was raped or not. We just don't know. Now, we know that she was taken into captivity. So this is exactly the, the last line of the Mishnah. We know that she was taken into captivity. We now have witnesses that say that she was taken into captivity. There's no longer a Peshasar. But this is after the ruling was already issued to say that she can marry a Kohen. So the law is, just like in the Mishnah, 
she could continue, she could still marry a Kohen, it's not a problem. However, the only situation where she cannot marry a Kohen is if, let's say, a day Tumma come. Let's say there's actually witnesses who come to court and they say, we saw that uh, that uh, she she was raped, uh, that, that her captives uh, had sexual relations with her. So then if we saw it, if we know with certainty, so then for sure, so then she cannot stay married to the Kohen. Even if she had many children with, with the Kohen, uh, she cannot stay married to the Kohen because then we know with certainty. Until we know with certainty, so then we can rely on the leniencies and say that nothing happened. But once we know with certainty, once we know what the, what the witness is, so then she, in fact, has to, has to leave that marriage. Okay, we now have the following two stories. We're going to conclude with the following two stories in the Gemara. There were these women who were taken into captivity who were brought to Nahardai, to a city to be ransomed. So the father of Shmuel put guards by them so them to make sure that they wouldn't get raped. So he put guards by them. Somehow there was some situation where he was able to put guards there. That's what the father of Shmuel did. So Amalei Shmuel, Shmuel said, I understand, how does it solve anything? He says, uh, obviously he, he was concerned for uh, for their safety, uh, but he was basically saying from a more of a halachic perspective, he was saying, hey, what does it solve? Until now they were taken into captivity. Uh, and so therefore we have to be concerned that something happened already until now, and therefore they can't marry a coin moving forward. So putting a guard there is not going to help because something maybe something already happened before. So Shmuel says back, the father, sorry, the father of Shmuel says back, Amarlai, says, I understand. He says, okay, that's in the past, but we have to care about them for the future. We have to make sure there's a guard there so it doesn't happen again. Right? If this was your own daughter, he says, would you treat them so lightly? He used the language. The father of Shmuel says, if this was your own daughter, would you treat them so lightly? And we know that uh, your words are meaningful and what you, the, the words that you say, so then it could actually, it could actually happen. Uh, it was an error which came out of his, uh, out of his, uh, from the ruler. And uh, based on what he said, he said, if this was your daughter's, so then uh, is this how you would act with them? And, to the, and then as a result of that, the daughters of Shmuel were then also taken into captivity. And what happened to them? This is the next story. Uh, they went from, they were taken into captivity from Bavel to Israel. They, they had their captors stay outside of the study halls of the base Medrash. They entered into the study halls of Rabbi Hanina and they said, These were two daughters. Each one said, You should know, we were taken into captivity, you don't know this, but we are pure. And each one said this. Rabbi Hanina allowed them to marry Kohanim because of this concept of the Pesha Asr. It's only through their testimony that we know that they were taken into captivity. Therefore, we we'll believe them to say that they're they're pure, that nothing happened to them, and then so Alu also Shvuyanu, the captors that then entered the city study halls. They were outside, then they entered the study halls. Amar Rabbi Chanina, so Rabbi said, these women must be uh, children of of a great Torah scholar, uh, because they knew to come first before their captors came, because they knew that they would be believed uh, with this Pesha Asar. With this concept of Pesha Asar. Because based on this, the matter became known that these were the daughters of Shmuel. They didn't know who these women were. So they found out, they realized that these were the daughters of Shmuel. So Rav said to uh, one of the, the relatives of Shmuel, the relatives of these daughters, said, go marry one of them. You should go ahead and marry one of them. He was a Kohen. He was a Kohen, but he said, go marry one of them because they're allowed to marry Kohanim. I already, I already, I already paskined, I already ruled this. 
So Amar Leila Rabbi Chanina, he said, Aren't there witnesses abroad? We'll see exactly what this means. But he says, Aren't there witnesses? What happens if witnesses come? We'll see. And witnesses say what? We'll get to that in a second. But he responds back, Hashem Mias, let's not come on. Aiden beside Ista and Vitiaser. Rabbi Chanina says, What do you think there are witnesses? If there are witnesses, they're not here right now. We cannot uh, start worrying about everything that this witness might come, that witness might come. They're not here right now. We have to live life based on the here and now of what we know right now. We can't be concerned about other witnesses coming. So the Gemara says, what do you mean witnesses coming? What are the witnesses, what are they going to say that will say that she, he can't marry her? It sounds like if witnesses actually came, he'd be forbidden to her. But the father of Shmuel himself said that once we give a ruling that she can marry Cohen, she's allowed to marry Cohen. What's the concern here? Even if witnesses come later, she can still marry a Cohen. So Amar Ravashi, Ravashi answers no. The answer is, is that it's not that witnesses are going to come and say that we know that she was taken into captivity that we're concerned about. It's the potential concern is that witnesses are going to come and say that we know that she was raped and then she can't marry a Cohen and then she has to get divorced. So that everybody agrees to that she would have to get divorced in such a case. But still, the response is still, we don't have to worry about that. They're not here now. There's no reason for us to worry about that. We can't live life just uh, being worried that these witnesses might come. We don't know who these witnesses are. If there are witnesses, we can't live like that. And so therefore, he was telling the relative to who's a Kohen to go ahead and marry the daughters of Shmuel. Okay, this concludes the Gemara, and we'll begin a new Mishnah in the next recording.